Welcome back to Intrepid Healthcare. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle, joined by my friend and colleague, Rayanne Thorne. Good morning, Rayanne. Really looking forward to our guest today who had a new perspective to our IC10 roundtable. Hi, Joe. Thanks for inviting me back. I cannot learn enough about ICD-10, keeping my fingers crossed. (laughs) We all are. (laughs) We're going to get right to it today. We're joined by Holly Cassano, CEO of AccuCode Consulting. Holly, welcome to the show. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Rayanne. Thank you. Thanks so much for making the time. Before we begin our discussion, please take a few seconds and inform the audience about you and your background. Sure, Joe. Again, my name is Holly Cassano. I am uh, the CEO of AccuCode Consulting, LLC, based out of Central Florida. I am a certified professional coder, and I have several credentials, including one in ICD-10-CM, and as well as the new risk adjustment credential, the CRC, from the AAPC. I've been in healthcare. I kind of started basically where a lot of people do in collections and billing and AR, and I've been in the industry for upwards of close to 20 years. I've done soup to nuts, consulting, practice management. I write professionally. I kind of work with providers. I worked at Cleveland Clinic for several years before moving up into Central Florida, where I work for a Medicare Advantage plan. And that's kind of what we're focusing our discussion on today is how Medicare Advantage and ICD-10 are going to integrate with one another as of October 1st. So I've done a lot of work within uh, risk adjustment and Medicare Advantage for the past four and a half years. I've written a lot about it. And I was recently asked to be on a steering committee with the AAPC with several other subject matter experts to uh, develop the risk adjustment credential, which is going to be available at the end of this month. Great. Thanks, Holly, again for joining us. So let's kick it off and talk about that Medicare Advantage plans. How will they tackle ICD-10 with primary care providers? Well, Marianne, there's, there's a lot of different things that happen with the providers on an annual basis. And the whole focus of Medicare Advantage and risk adjustment is making it easy for the providers to what they call capture or document what are called HCC codes. And they're called, which stands for hierarchical condition category codes, the HCC codes. And, and basically, it's just your diagnosis codes, your everyday diagnosis codes, ICD-9 codes. And again, in October, what will become ICD-10 codes for the providers. I know that several of the large plans that I'm in touch with, they've made things available on their web pages for the providers. They've set up different trainings for their providers that are in network. They're really trying to aggressively ensure that those providers, the primary care docs, are on board and understand what they need to do as far as documentation goes for ICD-10 implementation in October of this year. So I know that they do a lot of education online and a lot of the plans as well also will send out coders. I used to be a field educator with the Medicare Advantage plan I was with for several years and we go out and basically sit down and try to educate the docs. We do our retrospective audits on their charts and try and show them what they're missing in documentation. One of my favorite examples is annually Medicare basically sets the clock back to zero on any chronic condition that was documented in the year before. So let's say a patient had a below knee amputation due to diabetes on December 31st. Well, on January 1st, basically the leg grew back. So if the provider does not document that condition or either of those conditions in the new year, Medicare will not consider those chronic conditions as part of that patient's risk profile. So it it can be very detrimental when the providers have these codes, the ICD-9 codes, when they don't document them. Wow. You mentioned where the providers are, what the providers are doing. What's your experience? Are 
are the providers really jumping into ICD-10 or are they waiting for some magical force to tell them it's really going to happen? <laughs> it's interesting you say that, Joe. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think the from what I know and, and you know, what I've received information from various colleagues of mine, the primary care community really is not ready. I mean, the plans have done basically all that they can do short of actually just coding, you know, and documenting for the providers themselves. And I mean no disrespect when I say that, but it's really tough, especially on some of these smaller practices where they just don't really have the resources to handle ICU-10 implementation. And I think it's going to be an interesting ride. It really is. I, I think that the primary care providers are going to really wake up once their claims start rejecting, not getting paid. I mean, a lot, a lot of these guys with the MA plans fall under a capitation agreement. But if Medicare cannot process those claims and they start asking for documentation and the plan can't support it with that provider's documentation, then it's going to circle back to those doctors. Holly, I have a few examples of organizations that are trying to help, like here in Alabama where we put on workshops for physician mm-hmm. practices. We're going to do a webinar next week that we'll record, and they can watch that same workshop whenever they want to. In Mississippi, they developed an ICD-10 collaborative. In New Jersey, there's an ICD-10 testing collaborative. What are some other ways we can help physician practices, or is there a way we can help them? You know, Joe, it's a struggle, and this is something that the ABC struggles with, and I know AHIMA struggles with as well, you know, in trying to provide education, not just to certified coders, but they also do some focus education on providers, the two governing bodies for coding credentials and education. They do just basically what you guys are doing. They do a lot of outreach. They try to host webinars. They have uh, national and regional conferences. They have online education. They also will offer to have uh, someone from the AAPC or, you know, other individuals come out to those practices and and try to provide face-to-face education and interaction. There are seminars that providers can attend. And, I mean, there's a variety of different options out there. It's just really trying to get the providers engaged and understand how critical this is. Holly, let's shift gears just a little bit and mm-hmm. talk about one of the fastest growing verticals in healthcare, which is home health. Are mm-hmm. home health services going to help or further add to upcoding with ICD-10? Well, I think that you know, with the regulations that are being put into place by Medicare um, with home health services, I think that it really can be an aid and, and help facilitate capturing these chronic conditions for the providers and for the MA plans because the home health service is supposed to report back to those uh, primary care providers and let them know how those patients are doing that can't maybe come in uh, for a visit so they go out and capture that information and see how those patients are doing for those providers. And then that's the way it's always supposed to have worked. And But there's been some issues, again, uh, that came out last summer with the Center for Public Integrity, along with some other areas of Medicare Advantage, and that was one of the areas, home health. And I don't think it was really intentional upcoding per se on a large majority, but but there were obviously some definite incidents of it. But I think the majority of it is just educating actually those people who go out and provide those home health services and helping them to understand what needs to be documented, what is allowed, what is compliant per Medicare. And I think once that happens, I think you'll see a change towards compliance. 
and it will actually help capture the, those codes. That's great. With that, Intrepid Healthcare will return with our guest, Holly Cassano, after this quick break. We'll be right back. CTG Health Solutions is proud to have been your trusted advisor for healthcare IT consulting services for over 25 years. In that time, CTG Health Solutions has provided healthcare strategic, technical, and operational consulting support to more than 600 healthcare provider and payer organizations. CTG Health Solutions satisfied clients are supported by some of the most talented healthcare consultants who have chosen CTG Health Solutions as their work home in large part due to the company's outstanding culture. As they say, the proof is in the pudding. CTG Health Solutions was named a Modern Healthcare Best Places to Work company again last year. Find out more about CTG Health Solutions and their world-class culture by liking them on Facebook or stopping by their website at www.ctghs.com. We're back with Holly Cassano, CEO of Akiko Consulting. Holly, we've had a great discussion so far, and you are just a wealth of great knowledge. My next question so for much. you is, tell us about CPC's role with Medicare Advantage, and will it help or will it hinder progress on ICD-10? I believe that uh, the AAPC's uh, new credential, which is uh, the CRC, it stands for a Certified Risk Adjustment Coder, which has, uh, is going to be available at the end of this month you know, for different people to sit for it. Uh, you don't have to already have a coding credential to sit for it. You can sit for it. There's uh, some educational information online that one of my colleagues has developed for the APC, and they can take that course, or if they have been working in the industry and just would like to sit for it, they can do that as well. But I think it's going to be a game changer. I had actually suggested this along with a group of my colleagues to the APC back in 2012, and they've, you know, they've really been trying to get it going. But with everything going on with IC10, obviously, you know, kind of took a little bit of a backseat until recently. We sat on this committee uh, last fall and developed this uh, CRC credential for risk adjustment and HCC coding. And it's really going to provide the education that the coding industry has desperately needed, um, and especially those coders that work for the MA plans. I myself can tell you that when I first started working with the Medicare Advantage plan that I worked with up here in Central Florida for a couple of years. I mean, when I first started with them, it was pretty much trial by fire. <laughs> you know, there was not a lot of information provided to me by the plan. Even some of like senior management, they really didn't understand everything that needed to take place uh, with risk adjustment, you know, all of the rules and regulations, compliance with Medicare, you know, or even the auditing process, which is called RADV. I mean, there's so many different layers to this. And, you know, it's like peeling back an onion. So every time you peel back a layer, you know, there's something else. And you're like, oh, I didn't know I needed to know that either. So, so what I did is I really kind of just set out to educate myself. And I pretty much developed like what I call my uh, risk adjustment library of science, my personal library over the course of time. And I wrote my first article about HCC coding and risk adjustment. I want to say it was like June 2011, roughly. And I've written a lot on it. And so when I approached the APC about considering uh, a course and maybe developing a credential, they definitely were interested and they had gotten, you know, other 
colleagues and subject matter experts like myself. Brian Boyce is another one who was also on the steering committee with me. And so we both have been really big advocates for this, as well as some other folks in Medicare Advantage. Health plans have advocate have been advocates uh, with the APC for it. So it's it's really going to, I think, change the change what's been happening, you know, all of this upcoding, which I don't think is intentional. It's really more or less lack of education, A, on the part of the coders, on the plans, and and obviously with the providers. I think I think that's the reason why. And I think the plans, they've had so many cutbacks from the government. They have a thing called star ratings. And they used to have a star ratings program where it was uh, stars, you know, one through five. And depending on how they did through the year, Medicare would give them, you know, bonuses based on their stars that they accrued. And they pretty much, Medicare has cut, cut out almost all of that except for uh, four and five star plans. So there's been a lot of plans that have just dissolved. They can't keep up in the industry. And so due to that, you know, I think that's why you've seen this uh, jump in upcoding, which is also another topic, as I said, that uh, the Center for Public Integrity wrote about, and they had uh, interviewed me about a little bit on that too. So I think, you know, you're going to see more compliance, less upcoding, better reporting to the plans and to Medicare. And then overall, what happens is when you have all of that combined, it you know, it allows Medicare to provide better benefits and monies to the plans so they can then, you know, help those patients and members who are, are part of those Medicare Advantage plans. So it will help increase better health for the members overall and then decrease cost because there's going to be better documentation and better reporting. So that brings us, Holly, you, you being the expert in this, and, and you obviously are, the years that you've been working on it, uh, to the golden question, or what Joe likes to refer to as the million-dollar question. As we look <laughs> as we look ahead, you know what I'm going to ask. Do you think there will be another delay in implementing ICD-10? <laughs> I know, right? I, I'm having a flashback <laughs> to uh, when oh, no. PBS <laughs> interviewed me two years ago about this. Oh, <laughs> I know. Yeah, you know, really, it was such really a shock, I think, to everybody last year when that all came out, you know, with the AMA. And, and uh, you know, I, I think it really was detrimental, you know, to the whole system. And it really, I think what happens, you know, when, unfortunately, the AMA takes a stand like that. And, you know, I, like I said, I respect them, you know, fully. They do so much good work, you know, in, in the healthcare community. But we are behind everyone else in the world with adopting ICD-10. And I think the longer that we delay this, if it happens again this year, and hopefully it won't, what happens is it just, it, it doesn't do anything to help mitigate cost to the healthcare system, which is a major problem. It doesn't do anything to help develop better reporting and and better, you know, care for these disease processes. Because the information, you know, when the doctor has to sit there and they're trying to report back in a note what is going on with this patient. And then, you know, they continually use codes that are not specific. They're unspecified codes. It's really not fair to A, the patient, because that patient's healthcare plan doesn't really get to know how sick that individual may be and what they really need for their benefits and to care for them over the course of time. So under-reporting and under-documentation is a big problem, and that just leads to more cost within the healthcare system. And ultimately, because if 
when there's higher costs and people are scrambling to get dollars back in, you know, the providers, that will still lead to upcoding. There's still going to be, you know, issues with fraud and abuse until they adopt this. I mean, they really need to understand how many different facets ICD-10 is going to touch in the healthcare system and that it's really going to improve things once they embrace it. But I'm not sure. You know, I want to say I'm probably maybe at 90% that it will be adopted this year. But I'm leaving that 10% open for maybe not. <laughs> oh, man, I can't place a bet. <laughs> I know. I, you know, I'm 90% there. You know, I'd like to say maybe 95 at least that's with Medicare. <laughs> wow. But, but I, I'm, I don't know. I, I just, you know, it's like you're on the standing at the, at the edge of the precipice and you're like, okay, I think it's going to be all right, but but you're still not sure. You know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, it really depends. You know, if they, if they lobby again strong, I mean, no matter what Medicare says, I mean, I know they've written laws about it, you know, I mean, it really could go either way, but I, I'm going to say at least 90%, I think it's going to go through. Well, I'd I'll love to get that. behind that 90% and... And I, I really hope that's what happened for all the reasons you gave, Holly. Yeah. Besides the millions of dollars we waste each year in mm-hmm. disruption from having to replan for yet another year. Yeah. One of the yeah. one of the things that's really big in healthcare are the conferences we go to to learn and share information and lobby each other for issues like this, Holly. I know you're speaking at an important event here coming up very soon. Could you tell us about that event and what you'll be talking about. Sure, Joe. Yeah, I'm going to be presenting uh, for a second time at Opal Events Annual Risk Adjustment Conference, and that is in Jacksonville, Florida, April April 27th and 28th. I'm going to be presenting on behalf of uh, Tactical Management Incorporated, based out of Winter Park, Florida. And uh, you know, I've worked with their CEO Derek Tavares on and off for about four and a half years. He and I have done a lot of work together, collaborated on a lot of uh, risk adjustment projects. And basically, I'm, I'm going to be doing it with another colleague of mine, Deb McEachern, who represents iCortic, which is also a risk adjustment company out of Boston. And we're going to be speaking on the APC risk adjustment credential and providing education on that and encouraging you know people to sign up for that. And then there's also going to be uh, information on you know HCC coding, the changes that have been put forth and what's coming you know in 2016. We're going to discuss that. And the other piece that's happening this year at this conference is a focus on population health management and how that interacts with Medicare Advantage because they both speak to managing chronic conditions in the Medicare population. So that's pretty much, you know, what we're going to talk about. But, you know, this is a a great conference for risk adjustment. And then there's also RISE, which is based out of Miami, Florida. They hold some really good conferences throughout the year as well. So hopefully, you know, people can attend some of these and really, you know, get that education that is desperately needed. You know, we're also going to be talking about ICD-10 as well and speaking, you know, how that's going to interact. You make a very important point, Holly. There's many, many places that you can go for either cheap or free to, if you don't have enough information on ICD-10 to learn, and it's as close to you as Google to find those things, probably pretty close to you. As you said, you're speaking in Jacksonville, which is drivable for me here in Alabama. So I'd encourage people to get on Google and find (laughs) where people are congregating around ICD-10, if only to share war stories and tips and tricks. Absolutely. 
I agree. I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, obviously. You know, and I have. I'm always happy to share information. I mean, you can Google my name and, and probably pull up you know a bunch of the articles I've written on risk adjustment and some of it you know and how it correlates to ICD-10. Yeah, but I'm always happy to help people. You know, they email me a lot. You know, I just, you know, I'll provide information. So, but there's, you know, it just, I mean, you just have to be savvy about, you know, as you said, you know, Googling it and trying to track down the information too, because there is a lot of free information out there, which is good. You know, people don't really know that per se. Good deal. As we start to close our show, Holly, maybe you could give the specifics of where people can reach you on Twitter and, and LinkedIn and maybe your website. You can reach me on Twitter. I'm at Holly Cassano. That's my profile there. And then you can look for me on LinkedIn. You know, just uh, plug in my name and uh, you can connect with me there. Um, you can also email me at AccuCode Consulting LLC at CenturyLink.net. So that's, that's the three main ways you can connect with me. Awesome. That was Holly Cassano, CEO of AccuCode Consulting. Holly, it was our great pleasure to have you today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Rayanne. Have a great day. You too. That wraps our broadcast. On behalf of Holly Cassano and my co-host, Rayanne Thorne, I'm Joe Lavelle, and we'll see you soon on Intrepid Healthcare.